Good morning, church. Thank you so much again for being part of our online worship assembly this morning. I want you to know that I love you and I miss you and I long for the day when we can all be back together again. You know, every now and then I will hear a sentiment uh, that is expressed by Christian people, by churchgoers, and it goes something like this. People these days uh, don't want to hear about sin, or churches these days never talk about sin. Preachers never preach about sin anymore. And I disagree with that sentiment. (laughs) I, I think that preachers do preach about sin. I think that nearly every church talks about sin. I think that Christians generally do like to hear sermons about sin. It's just that we like to hear sermons about somebody else's sin right? We like preachers to talk about somebody else's sin. What we don't like is someone talking about our sin. And we all tend to be that way. We tend to enjoy it when someone puts someone else in their place. And we say, yeah, it's about time that somebody tells them to stop doing that stuff. Somebody tells them to stop being that way. But when someone starts to talk about the things with which we struggle, we get a little bit uncomfortable, don't we? It's hard to say amen when we're busy saying ouch, because that stepped on our our toes. But that's what this month's series is all about. It's about taking a moment to genuinely, truly, honestly evaluate ourselves to take a look in the mirror, to take a look at where each of us are in our walk with Jesus, in our discipleship, and ask ourselves, where am I right now? How am I doing? Am I really following Jesus? Because if we're If we're not careful, it's super easy to fool ourselves into thinking that we're actually following Jesus. We we can look at some of the superficial things that we do. In normal circumstances, we come to church, or right now we turn church on the TV, or we turn it on our computer or on our smartphone, and we, we pray and we read scripture. But do we ever really stop to listen to Jesus And when Jesus says, this is what it means to follow me, this is what it looks like to live out the principles, the fundamental foundations of the kingdom of God, this is what it looks like to be citizens of God's kingdom. That's what we've been talking about as we've gone through the Sermon on the Mount this summer. And now it's time for us to genuinely, honestly, do some self-evaluation and look in the mirror and ask ourselves, am I really following Jesus? How well am I following Jesus? Where am I currently? Where am I, spiritually speaking, in my discipleship, in my walk with Jesus? And today we're going to look at a passage and think about a passage that you've probably heard. If you've grown up going to church, you've probably heard this a thousand times. And even if you didn't grow up going to church, you've probably heard this a thousand times. In fact, it's so popular even amongst secular people that we call it the golden rule. But do we genuinely, truly, honestly reflect on it? When's the last time we stopped and asked ourselves, am I really doing to others what I wish people would do for me? So before we get there, let's look at some of the context. Matthew chapter 7, we're going to start this morning 
in verse 7. Jesus says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. And then he goes on to say, or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? He says, no father would do that, right? No father, if someone, if his child asks him for bread, would give him a rock. And if a child asked for a fish, no father would give him a serpent. And in context, again, what he just said was, if you're, you're seeking, you're knocking, you're asking, you'll find. And he says, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven get, give good things to those who ask him? And if you'll notice, all throughout the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus continues to refer to God, not just as his own father, but as your father, or in context, because he's speaking to a whole crowd of people, y'all's father, right? Or as y'all like me to say, all y'all's father. He's y'all's father. He's your father. He's not just Jesus's father. He's your father. And Jesus, all throughout the Sermon on the Mount, keeps reminding them, pray to your father who's in secret and he sees in secret and he will, do you remember? He will reward you. Give in secret and your father will reward you. Fast in secret and your father will reward you. And here he says, ask, seek, knock, pray, ask your father for bread, ask your father for a fish. Your father will take care of you. And, and this is incredibly important. If we're going to understand where we are spiritually, if you're going to understand where you are spiritually, if you're going to really truly evaluate whether or not you're following Jesus, whether or not you're practicing the golden rule, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. If you're going to evaluate and answer that question, it has to begin here. And you say, how does it, how does it begin there? What is this? If you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? What does that have to do with the golden rule? Everything. Everything. It has to begin here. It has to begin with trust your father. Trust your Father. And we're going to come back to this idea over and over again in this morning's lesson, but it has to begin here. Trust your Father. Listen to what he says next. He says, so, so, because that's true, because these things are true, because your Father will give you these things when you ask him, because your Father will bless you, because your Father will take care of you, because your Father sees you and hears you and knows you and loves you and will take care of you, whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. Now that's huge, isn't it? This is the law and the prophets. What is? Do unto others, do to others whatever you wish that people would do to you. 
And Jesus says this sums up everything that the law and the prophets have to say. Everything that Moses, the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and all of the prophets, everything that they had to say about how you treat other people, it can all be summed up with this. It can all be summed up with what Jesus is saying here. This is everything. This is the law and the prophets. Honor your father and mother. Don't murder. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't bear false witness. Don't covet what belongs to your neighbor. All of that can be summed up with this. If we would just do this, if you would just do this, whatever you wish other people would do for you, do that for them. Whatever it is that you wish other people would do for you, do that for them. You you don't want people coveting what you have or taking what you have or killing you or taking your stuff. Don't do that to other people. But it even goes beyond these things. When you think about everything that the law and the prophets told God's people about caring for the marginalized the people in their society that didn't have and couldn't take care of themselves, there were select groups who were marginalized in that culture. The fatherless, orphans, the widows, the foreigners, the immigrants, the sojourners, and the poor. And the law and the prophets over and over and over again told God's people to care for them, don't overlook them, don't oppress them, take care of their needs. So much so that there were laws about when you were a farmer, if you were gathering grain in your field, it was the law to leave the edges of the field for these groups of people. Leave it for the sojourners, leave it for the poor, leave it for the people that don't have land of their own, leave it for the fatherless, leave it for the widows, take care of them. But Jesus says all of that can be summed up in this simple command. Whatever you wish other people would do for you, do that for them. You you wish other people would look out for you. You wish other people would take care of you. If you were hurting, if you were poor, if you were marginalized, if you were an immigrant to a different country, if you didn't speak the language, if you didn't fit in, if you felt like you were on the outside looking in, you would wish other people would care for you and look out for you and help you and never take advantage of you. So Jesus says, this is it. This is it. This is is everything that the law and the prophets have to say about how you interact with other people. It's it. It's the whole thing. This is how you do it. Whatever you wish other people would do for you, do also for them. And and it's not just about refraining from doing harm. You know, sometimes, especially when we're teaching this principle, this golden rule to our kids, and we say, hey, Johnny, don't hit your brother. You wouldn't like it if he hit you, so don't hit him, right? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you, right? You wouldn't want somebody to do that to you, so don't do that to them, And so we apply it in the negative, like you wouldn't want this to happen, and because you would not want this to happen, don't do it to other people. And it's good to apply it in the negative. You wouldn't want somebody coveting your stuff. You wouldn't want somebody stealing from you. You wouldn't want somebody getting on Facebook and talking about how horrible of a person you are, so don't do that to other people, right? 
But, but it's not just to be applied in the negative. It's also to be applied in the positive. I mean, he says, whatever you wish that other people would do, whatever you wish that others would do to you, whatever you wish, whatever you wish. Imagine if, if we were to sit down and <laughs> at Christmas time, we often talk about a, a wish list, right? A wish list. These are all the things I wish for. These are all the things I want. These are all the things that I imagine wouldn't be better if I had this. And Jesus says, take your wish list and apply it to other people. I mean, it's really easy, isn't it, in our life to sit around and say, I wish other people would do this. I wish other people would do that. I wish other people would help me with this. I wish other people would whatever, fill in the blank. And Jesus says, you have your marching orders right there. That's them. That's it right there. Do that. Do that. Whatever it is that you wish other people would do. And you think, wouldn't it be great? Wouldn't it be nice? Wouldn't it be wonderful if people would do this? Go do that. Go do that. Not, not in an effort to manipulate them, other people, into also doing it. You don't do it in order to get them to do it for you. You don't even do it in order to manipulate them into joining you. You just do it because it's the right thing to do. And Jesus says, if you, if you would do this, if you would make a list of all the things that you wish other people would do for you and you would go out and proactively do that for others, you'd, you'd fulfill the law and the prophets. This is what God has always expected of his people. This is what he's always called you to do. It's not complicated. It doesn't mean it's easy. Just because something is simple doesn't mean it's easy. This is simple, but it's incredibly difficult and it's challenging. And Jesus says, this is what all of the prophets and this is what Moses always had called you, y'all, God's covenant people to do. Whatever you wish other people would do for you, Go do that for them. But we spend so much of our time, don't we? We spend so much of our time just sitting around wishing that other people would behave this way. We spend so much of our time regretting and lamenting that people don't do this or that more often. And Jesus says, you, you, are you doing these things? All the things that you wish other people would do for you. Go do those. Go do those. Stop doing the things you don't want other people to do to you, but proactively do the things that you wish other people would do for you simply because you belong to your father. Look at verse 13. He says, enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. You know, I was thinking, because Jesus said, this is the law and the prophets to do for others what we wish that they would do for us. This is the law and the prophets. It got me thinking about the Ten Commandments. Do not murder, do not steal, do not. And I was thinking about that. And so I was looking at Deuteronomy chapter 5. And right after Moses reminds the generation that's about to go into the promised land of the Ten Commandments. 
At the end of that chapter, it says this, you shall be careful, therefore, to do as the Lord your God has commanded you. Don't turn aside from the, or to the right or to the left. You shall walk in all the way that the Lord your God has commanded you, that you may live that you may live and that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land that you shall possess. In fact, the entire book of Deuteronomy is this invitation, this command to examine the two possible paths, the path of obedience that leads to life, the path of disobedience that leads to death. And over and over again, Moses would encourage the people, consider I'm setting before you life and death. Choose life. And isn't that what Jesus says? He says you have two paths. One that's wide and it's easy. And anybody and everybody can go down that path. And it leads to destruction. And then there's another path that's narrow. And there are very few people that find it. It's challenging and it's difficult. But that path leads to life. Jesus is giving his disciples a Deuteronomy moment. Not with this long, complicated list of laws about what to do and what not to do. It's simple. Here's what it looks like, right? Sermon on the Mount. And then he sums it all up. Here's how you treat other people. Whatever you wish that others would do for you, go do that for them. This is the law and the prophets. Choose life. Choose life. Choose this narrow way. But we all... We all know the golden rule, right? We know the golden rule, do unto others. But are you doing it? That's what Jesus is saying, right? Enter by the narrow gate. Are you doing it? He's not saying if you know it. He's saying if you do it, if you enter, if you choose, if you go down, if you follow. Now, wait a second. I thought, I thought life, I thought salvation I thought eternity was a matter of faith, right? That we receive it by grace through faith. But, man, Jesus, this sounds a whole lot like works, right? Which is it? Is it, is it faith or is it works? Is Jesus saying, you will find life just by believing in your heart and trusting me? Or is he saying, you will find life by doing these kinds of things? Loving your neighbor as yourself. Or as he says it here, to do to others what you wish they would do to you. Which is it? Is it faith or is it obedience? And the answer, of course, is yes. Because faith is obedient. This is what faith looks like. And as the people were going into the promised land, as Moses was pointing them into Canaan, And saying, do these things and you will live. It was based on whether or not they trusted their father. Do you trust God or not? And if you trust God, this is what it looks like to trust God. I mean, it's like the old trust fall that we used to do, right? You have a group of people that stand behind someone and they close their eyes and they they sort of fall backwards, right? Do you trust them? If you trust them, then you lean back and fall back and let them catch you. And if you don't trust them, you say, no, I'm not going to fall backwards. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to let you have the opportunity to catch me or let me fall. I don't 
trust you. And as the people of Israel were going into the promised land, they had the opportunity to demonstrate whether or not they trusted God. That's why the golden rule begins with even before he tells them to do unto others, he tells them, ask, seek, knock, trust your father. Trust your father. Trust your father that he will provide for you. Trust your father that he will take care of you. And this is what it looks like to trust your father. Because this is why we don't. This is why there are so many. The gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And the the way is easy that leads to destruction. This is why. This is why most people don't live. This is why most people don't follow Jesus. This is why most people don't do unto others as they would have done unto them because they don't trust their father. We don't trust our father. We say, it's okay. I don't need to do unto them. I'll do unto myself. I'll do for myself. I'm not going to do for them because I need to do for me. And what I wish others would do for me, I'm just going to go ahead and do it for me, right? And whatever they wish that others would do for them, they can go ahead and let and do it for themselves. You do for yourself, I'll do for myself, and we'll all be okay, right? That's how we tend to live our lives. And most people, many people, live their lives that way. I will take care of me, you take care of you, and everything will be okay. And Jesus says, nope, that's not the way to life. The way to life is you do for them, and you let God do for you. You trust that your father will take care of you and you take care of everyone else. And we might sum it up this way. We do for others because we trust our father to do for us. We do for others because we trust our father to do for us. Isn't that everything that he said in chapter six? Pray to your father who's in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. Give in secret, and your father who sees in secret will reward you. Fast in secret, and your father who is in secret will see and reward you. He will take care of you. Blessed are you who are hungry, who hunger and thirst for righteousness, because you will be satisfied. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the meek. Trust your father, and he will take care of you. So do for others because you trust your father to do for you. But we're so very independent, aren't we? That's okay. That's okay. I'll do for me. You do for you. I'll do for me and we'll all be okay. And Jesus says, "Stop, stop. Because there are some people who can't do for themselves. They don't know how to do for themselves or they don't have the strength to do for themselves. And so... Whatever you wish that other people would do for you, you go and you do that for them. Not, not in order to manipulate them into doing for you and not even in order to manipulate them into doing with you, but simply because you trust your father. We might even say it this way. Faith in your father is demonstrated by love for your neighbor. Faith in your father is demonstrated by love for your neighbor. 
And this is what it comes down to. This is how we demonstrate our faith in our Father. And this is consistent all throughout everything Jesus says in his ministry, isn't it? It's consistent with everything that Paul would say in all of his letters and everything Peter would say. Paul would say things like, listen, if if you give away all of your stuff to the poor and you have faith that can move mountains and you speak in the tongues of angels, but you don't have love, it's nothing. It's nothing. If you don't have patience and kindness, because love is patient, love is kind, and it doesn't envy, and it isn't rude, and it doesn't boast, and it isn't self-seeking, and it keeps no record of wrongs. Love treats others as it wants to be treated. This sums up the law and the prophets. And so wait, is your salvation, is your eternal life based on your faith or based on your works? Yes, it is based on your faith, whether or not you put your trust in God, in the Father, through the Son, in the Spirit. Do you trust him? And it's demonstrated and it's evidenced by your love for your neighbor. But most people don't do that. Most people don't live that way. That's why Jesus could say, listen, there's a road and it's wide and it's easy and many people go down that road and it's the road to destruction. And then there's another road and it's narrow and there are so very few people who find and follow that path. Because that path, that path is one that does for others what they only wish would be done for them. We might spend our whole life wishing, I wish that I had someone to do this for me. I wish that I had somebody that would treat me this way. I wish that I had people that would do these things for me. But I don't, and that's okay, because you know what? I trust that my father will. My father will do those things for me. My father will love me. My father will bless me. My father will provide for me. My father will give me life. So regardless of what others do for us, we can do for them. Not because of what they might do, but because of what God has done, what God is doing, and what God will do. Because we trust our father, we can love our neighbor. In fact, Our faith in our Father is demonstrated by our love for our neighbor. Why do we love our neighbor? Why do we love our brothers and sisters? Why do we love our family? Why do we love our enemies? Why do we love people who hate us? Why do we do good to those who persecute us? Why do we pray for people that despise us? Because we trust our Father. Because we know what can man do to us. We don't have to be afraid of someone who can take our stuff. We don't even have to be afraid of someone who could take our rights or take our life because we trust our Father. And because we trust our Father, we can truly love our neighbor. But if we don't love our neighbor, then we can't say we love our Father. If we don't love our neighbor... We can't say we have faith in our Father. Our faith in our Father isn't just about how much time we spend in prayer or how much time we spend in a Bible study. Our faith in our Father is demonstrated by our love for 
our neighbor. So my encouragement for all of us, for me especially, and for all of us today, is to spend some time reflecting on whether or not we're actually practicing the golden rule, whether or not we're actually doing for others what we wish that others would do for us, not because we want to get them to do it for us, but because we trust our Father. That's what we demonstrated when we were baptized. If you've been baptized into Jesus, you were saying, I trust you, Father. And when you came up out of that water, and as every day you get out of bed and you say, today I'm going to be a follower of Jesus, that's why we love our neighbor. We love our neighbor. We're generous. We share. Why? Because we trust our Father. That as we do unto our neighbor, our Father will do for us. We don't have to worry about us because our Father's got us. Our Father will take care of us. And because we trust that our Father will take care of us, we can take care of our neighbor. That's what it really looks like to follow Jesus. So following Jesus begins at baptism, but then it's lived out every day in loving our neighbor. Church, thank you for being here this morning. We're going to sing one more song and we're going to say a prayer. And I hope that today we'll all reflect on the words of Jesus. Thank you for being here.